44, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Welcome to episode 44 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. I am your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conan. Episode 44, we're getting really close to 50, which is the end of season two. Yay! There's 25 episodes in a season, and we take two weeks off a year. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's that, what we do. That's a thing? Oh, sweet. That's how my files are organized. I thought you were saying we got two weeks off after our 50th episode. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. No, and then we just start the next season. I see, I see. Yeah. You thought I meant we get another, we get time off after episode. Right. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I have to check the numbers. If we didn't use our other week, we might take a week off after our 50th episode. Which is basically two weeks off for us. Mandy said we should do something fun because Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. I do love holidays. I, mean, I celebrate Valentine's Day because it's an excuse to celebrate and that is always in my bag. <laughs> but I'm not a super huge fan of it as a holiday construct. But I guess for polyamory, it probably should be since it is the holiday for dating. Yeah, and I mean, it is a bit of a Hallmark holiday, but... It is definitely a Hallmark holiday. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great stop and appreciate your partner for a day. I think Valentine's Day is super fun. I don't even like often have someone I'm dating during Valentine's Day, like, but I just give stuff to my kid and my parents. I'm like, here, have chocolates because I love you. That's pretty much what I do. Yeah, I remember getting stuff on Valentine's Day as a child from my parents. Sort of a weird holiday to give your kids stuff. Like It's like the romantic love holiday. Nah. I give my kids stuff. Yeah, my mother's, she still gives me stuff. She still gets me and my son little boxes of chocolates for Valentine's Day. It's It's fun. I think that's that's one of those toxic masculinity scripts. Like, if I give kids stuff for Valentine's Day, it's creepy. Huh. Oh, see, and every year since Jerry's been in my life, he gives my daughter flowers on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to do something fun, which is talk about dating, date ideas, and then also rules for early dating that we have for ourselves, guidelines we use to try and make our dates better. Something a little bit more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any announcements or anything, right? Uh, the all call for presenters for RelateCon Atlanta is now live. Nice. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. I just write you in like I used to for APW. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, go to relatecon.org and apply to be a presenter if you are a presenter and you've got cool shit to present. I don't know what the deadline is because I'm a shitty director. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> there is a deadline. I just don't remember what it is. I'm sure it says on the website. So if you go, I'm sure there's a deadline. Yeah. We'll get you folks the deadline at some point. Yeah. Just not this exact moment apparently let's see so my big news i am dating someone finally <laughs> i know we talk a lot in this podcast about how i'm not dating people well <laughs> i'm finally dating someone oh like i'm dating somebody i'm dating somebody that's fantastic i'm very excited yay <laughs> which is very very good timing for a valentine's day episode i think yeah so i'm dating someone new it's actually really exciting because they gave you permission to talk about it on the podcast. And also they listen to the podcast already. So anything I say, they're going to immediately listen to. Must be nice to have partners who listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All my partners listen to the podcast. None of my partners listen to the podcast. 
I think even my ex-partners listen to the podcast. They they say while we were dating. I think they still do, mostly. I have ex-partners that listen to the podcast, but none of my current partners listen. That's harsh. To be fair, one of them doesn't know about it yet. Ooh. Okay, well, that's much more fair. Yes. I don't know how that person would be able to do it. (laughs) But no, none of my partners listen to the podcast, which, you know, I find kind of freeing. Because you could just, like, say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you don't fucking listen anyway, so what's it matter? Well, I like to sort of imagine that anyone I talk about could be listening, so I try and say things in a way that would be helpful that way. And then in my case, it's just usually always true. So the other thing I realized as I was was talking to this person, I was like, oh man, this means I now have a two-week countdown to tell my mom that we're dating. Because uh, my mom listens to the podcast. Is that what you're and doing? she listens more or less on release. Are you holding yourself so, accountable? Is that what you're doing? You're giving yourself a deadline? I'm holding myself accountable? No, I mean, if I don't do it in two weeks, she's going to find out on her own. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. Which is not, I think, how she wants to find out that I'm dating someone new. so the other thing that's interesting is that the person i'm dating is monogamous they just say i fucking hate dating people who are monogamous it's so fucking annoying (laughs) it's like the worst i hate it like you're like hey there's this thing and they're like okay and you're like but please please date me still (sighs) anyway (laughs) well that sounds like a really bad experience with dating monogamous people yeah, it doesn't work out super well for me. I've had positive and negative experiences dating monogamous people. Yeah, it's definitely it's very different experience. And I've definitely read stuff about like how a lot of times experienced polyamorous people won't date someone who's monogamous. But then I feel like, well, this person isn't this kind of scenario, but a lot of my friends who are actually quite experienced often date people who have been monogamous but are thinking about changing to polyamory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, if they don't date them, then they're going to date other people who also don't know what they're doing. And everyone, it's you know, like that early non-monogamy, early polyamory experience where everyone has all the toxic scripts from monogamy and no one has a clue what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Seems even worse from like a health perspective. If you want to take that on, though, that's a lot of uh, work yeah, sure. to take it on being someone's learning yeah. curve training wheels so not everybody has the spoons to do that yeah that's true no one has the obligation to do that i wasn't suggesting you did i just right. i just more meant like i just I disagree with the point that nobody who's experienced should date someone who isn't experienced no. is all i was saying no because please the more experienced the better to be honest i mean you know what i mean like that's yeah someone exploring polyamory i would much prefer date someone who's a seasoned polyamorist as opposed to someone else that's new yeah. because it's just yep. gonna be a clusterfuck absolutely <laughs> All right, so my new partner has a PhD in interpersonal communication, so they know what NRE is and almost all of my lingo. It's really very awesome. That's fantastic! Normally I have to spend 20 minutes sort of setting up a point that I'm trying to make, and we know all the same linguistic jargon, and it's been really wonderful. That's amazing! She gets Michael at Michael's speed, too. Yeah! Sounds (laughs) like it. No, Mandy was... I sent Mandy a note when I was very excited at the beginning of this, where I was very excited. I said, so on the podcast, I don't speak horribly fast. I know I don't speak slow enough still, but the speed of which I speak is the number one issue that I have at public speaking or speaking generally. When I was younger, I was made fun of sort of mercilessly for having zero pronunciation and zero enunciation and no one being able to understand me. And the more excited I get, the more I forget to be slower. And there was a moment on the first date where I was getting really, really fast. And instead of looking confused or angry, they were keeping up with me and filling in the blanks 
and sort of jumping ahead in the conversation. And so I just sort of leaned into being hilariously fast and excited instead of pulling myself back. It takes a special person to understand Michael at Michael's yeah! speed. Yeah! Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so excited for you. So there's a lot of really great things. That sounds amazing. It is. It's been really amazing so far. Congrats. The last couple of relationships, I think I said I dated people that were sort of substantially younger as well. Mm-hmm. And she's my age. So she's a little bit older than me, which is really nice. That's a cool thing to find. I mean, age gap is fine, but it's really fun to find someone who's about your age. You know, it's funny. My, my kids actually mentioned something about this the other day. We were talking about somebody that I dated when I was younger and how most of the guys I dated were older when I was younger. And they were like, well, why do you date younger guys now? Because <laughs> as a rule, most of my partners have been younger than me as an adult because I have an age bracket and I've always had the same age bracket. (laughs) (laughs) There's this one 10 year space that I really like. When I was younger, I went for it. When I'm older, I went for it. Doesn't really matter where I'm at. That's the age bracket I'm invested in. (laughs) Nice. But they were just, they were so confused. Like if you liked older guys when you were younger, why do you like younger people now? I mean, I guess I do have an age range, but it's, I, I definitely date people who are older than me as well. Still. Interesting. See, my range is like completely, okay, like the person that I am I'm with right now, he is twice my age. And then I've also been with someone as young as 19 within the last like year. So I'm just like all over the spectrum. 19, Sarah. Oh my god, he's so fucking hot though. He was like six six and a baseball player, and oh my god, I remember anyway. this one. Um, but you're you're much younger than Michael and I too. I only like ten years. It's not much younger. That's a significant difference. That is a big difference. If I'm dating <laughs> that's someone that's nineteen, like things have gone horribly wrong. Well, yeah, okay. If you were dating someone who's nineteen, yeah, that you'd be like twice their age. It'd be a little different. I mean, yeah, right. But... That's what we're saying. Okay, okay. What was that for you? A six-year age gap, or at the time a five-year age gap? I mean, oh no, I mean like this year. So he's he, it's an eleven-year gap between me and this nineteen-year-old because I'm thirty now. Oh, I thought you were ten years younger than me. Okay, that's where I missed that. Wait a minute, I thought we were about ten years young uh, apart. You're ten years younger than me. Oh, all right. Cool. So five and five is what I'm hearing. Michael, you're what? You're two years younger. Well, I'm 36. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Jerry's age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought you two were like a year apart in age. So I thought, I, okay. Anyway. Yeah, Michael just looks old. <laughs> no, <he doesn't>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, okay. That makes more sense. I also thought you were a decade younger than me because I was like, so you're going to be like, what? We were like 25 at the time. That's not so bad. No, yeah. No, no, no. 11 years younger. And then the person. <laughs> I always do that too. I always peg you super young. You peg me super young? Yeah. I always peg you as about 25 for some reason. Yeah. A lot of people do actually. So it's. You are in college. That makes the difference. That's what it is. It's the college thing. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of new dating things, and I haven't done new dating things in a long time. And I'm also coming face to face for the first time in a long time myself with what it looks like asking somebody to adjust and potentially blow up their life just to date you, which is a really interesting space I've never been in before. I mean, I've dated other monogamous people before, but a lot of times their life was already sort of exploded, which is maybe why they were thinking about being polyamorous. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to explode new partners' life? They think that their parents will be very upset. Hmm. I find that monogamous people, when I have dated them, their parents have been very upset. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think about my parents and I think about them as being sort of hyper understanding and some of the most understanding parents and taking a decade to not be mad. I mean, not that they were mad, but, you know, like taking a decade for me to feel that they were comfortable. Yeah. 
I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit nervous that I have to tell them I'm dating somebody again. I don't think it's going to be bad. I don't think they're going to react bad, but it's just there's enough that I'm like, oh, it's just a thing I have to do. And I'm not, I'm not excited the way that I used to be when I was, you know, monogamous to tell them that I was dating someone because they would be right. really excited about that. And at this, it, I think the best they'll be tolerant. It seems unlikely to me that they've reached the point yet where they'll be like, yay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is your new partners like truly concerned about what their parents are going to think? I mean, they are my age. <laughs> right. I don't know how concerned they are and how much they're just processing. Oh, okay. Okay. So a little bit of background. I've been using Bumble to look for dates. I really like Bumble. If you're not familiar with it, it's a dating app from someone that like left Tinder to go make a more feminist version of Tinder. And the big upshot to it is women have to message first. So you can only message back if you're a guy. So you both do the same swipe left, swipe right matching system that Tinder uses. But then once you're matched up, you just sit in a queue and the person has 24 hours to message you. And if they don't, you drop out of the queue oh. or they're just gone. And if they do, then you have 24 hours to message back. And then if you both message within those 48 hour period, then you're matched and you can keep talking. It's super time sensitive. It is super time sensitive. So one of the things that's nice about that is that people that you match with are actually on there. So people that do match with you are people who are on really recently because if they weren't right. on really recently, it doesn't say I was on OkCupid for a decade and got one date with someone that I already met in person. And so they were just excited to find me on OkCupid. It wasn't like uh, OkCupid hooked me up with that. Interesting. <laughs> I've just recently been using the Facebook dating app. Uh, I wanted to know about that. How do you like it? I like it. I have a date tomorrow with somebody that I met on it. Cool. Um, nice. And this will be our third date. Now, are they polyamorous already or are they sort of monogamous and then learning about it from you? They are monogamish. Mm -hmm. They have polyamorous experience. That's cool. The one thing about Bumble that I don't like, but it's also probably really good for me personally, is that you can only have 240 characters to describe yourself. Ew. So for those of you listening to this that don't know, statistics <laughs> show that the less information you put on your profile, the more attractive you are. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess it makes oh, yeah. sense. People, people don't like reading about you. They do not want to have to read about you at all. That's work. They're not into it. Why does this not surprise me that Michael did research about how... <laughs> I'd be shocked if he didn't. ...to make an attractive profile. By the way, five photos is the best number of photos. What else? You want... Oh, you want something with your teeth showing. When, what you want to show is different if you're a guy and a girl, too. Yes, I knew that. I don't remember what the differences are. But. When I look at profiles, I need mm -hmm. a picture of their teeth. I mean, not like, you know, just their teeth. Yeah, I need that, too. Totally. Let me be clear. This isn't a stat. This is Mandy's preferences yeah. and Sarah's preferences. Yes, this is Mandy's preferences. Okay, cool. Go ahead with Mandy's preferences. I need a picture showing their teeth, preferably smiling. <laughs> I will not message a guy if I, there is not one fucking picture of him smiling on his profile mm -hmm. i don't know what it is with men thinking they need to like look all hard and not smile on their profiles but it's unattractive it is completely unattractive mm. all right so now what i have to tell you is that statistically the faces that get clicked on the most and get the most dates for men are looking off camera not at it not smiling fyi <laughs> just statistically makes sense not true for you no but statistically it's the most common like to me <laughs> if there's five pictures on his profile and he's not smiling in any of them this man is not happy no <laughs> At least doesn't feign to be happy. I haven't read a statistic about if you're not smiling in any of them. I'm talking about the headshot. So like the, the primary headshot oh. gets the most response that the primary headshot is like looking off screen somewhere, like slightly up into the left, basically, and sort of not smiling, like not serious, maybe a hint of a up smile. Up into their left or like if you're looking at the picture, it's up into the left. I don't. Does that make a difference to you? That's left versus <laughs> it's right? It's some I weird mean, pensive <laughs> looking picture. No. <laughs> Well, it does. It's like, like a three-quarter shot off screen. There's a three-quarter shot off screen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the, like not just slightly looking away from the camera. So the left and the right is not relevant. It's basically just a three quarter shot off screen, like but okay. serious looking is okay. for guys the Got most it. successful. <laughs> statistically successful profile headshot as your as your intro shot interesting smiles are a big thing for me so i i need a smile and i won't message a guy unless he there's a smile on his profile well and that makes sense because the five photos right are uh, and again these are stats like the most successful profiles have five photos and the five photos are a headshot a selfie mm-hmm. a photo of you doing something that you really enjoy and so that's like the that's, that's where the smiling is going to be right like if you're doing something you really enjoy and you're still looking serious <laughs> like i would hope <laughs> Yeah. A photo with multiple people. And I forgot what the fifth one was. It's interesting. I'm not a big, like, I don't need a full body shot. Oh, no, no, right. One of them is a full body shot. Yeah, there, there's the fifth one. A shot that shows off what you actually look like, sort of top to bottom while moving. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. You got to see what they look like. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that personally. I just need a smile. Oh, and I'm, don't like smokers. Yes. And I don't know why, but men think that's a sexy thing to like a picture smoking a cigarette. Or only gets women that will date a smoker. I mean, if you're a, if you're an avid smoker, I just definitely right. put a picture of you smoking. True. Because you'll get less people, but those people will be cool that you're smoking. For me, it's really personal for me, is I, I hate seeing people that are like super into their trucks or into killing animals. Those are just like, nope, every single time. But that's just a personal. Where it's just a picture of their car or their truck. It's just, yeah, seriously, like, you're not even in the fucking picture. And like, honestly, that ain't even a super great vehicle. Like, what are you doing? I think that it's good to put very specific things about you in the photos and such. Exactly. That would sort of filter out people that are against the things that you exactly. love the most. So, so if you love hunting, definitely put a hunting photo up because 100% of people who would never date a hunter won't so, oh, then yeah. write you. Exactly. That's where that works. And that will save you them writing you and going, what do you want to do when we go away on a romantic weekend? Can we go to the mountains and hunt buck? No, I'm out. No, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a good way to weed out that kind of people, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just like the smoking thing. Like, you want to post... If you've got yeah. something in your life that's controversial, that's something you kind of want to put out there, depending upon how controversial it is. Because if you put out there, I'm polyamorous, you get a lot of people that are just like, come fuck me. I do put that I'm polyamorous on my profile. And that's the interesting thing, is that response is totally different if you're a guy and if you're a girl. So if a guy puts polyamorous on his profile, he basically becomes like the plague. Hmm. And if a girl puts it on their profile, they get people who are all looking for one-night stands. Yeah, yeah. As a general rule. I mean, they get other, you both get other things, obviously. But. Once, though, I got someone else who didn't put on their profile that they were polyamorous, and he, he was like, oh, my God, I'm polyamorous, too. I was like, what? That's great. They didn't work <laughs> out, but... <laughs> So you only get 240 characters. So I tried putting that I was demisexual and polyamorous and I was out of characters after that. (laughs) And I was like, I feel like I have a personality beyond just my basic labels. And I feel like this doesn't give you any sense of sort of what's fun about me or what I'm interested in or how we would get along at all. So I went back and wrote an actual profile response and then just made my profession probably poly podcaster. It seems like most people get the message because I don't get a lot of matches and the matches I do all seem to be like, so polyamory, huh? (laughs) You're like, yes. Let's talk more. So that seems pretty effective at that level. So some of the things that are nice about that structure, I do like that the double match means only people that you have some level of interest in are writing you. So you don't have those awkward moments where people write you that you're not interested in. Yeah. And you have to decide how to respond to them. I hate that. Facebook's like that. The Facebook dating app, you have to both match before anybody can message anybody. And I think most of the things are going that way. I know OkCupid is now like that too. Like not even on OkCupid, both people have to like each other before you can send messages now. They didn't have that feature for a long time. That's the 
way that Tinder is too. I mean, you both have to match before you can. Sure. Although I get people who search me by name because my name is unique. They just go out and like find me on Facebook and I'm like, you little fucker. Like there's a reason why I didn't match you. That's creepy as shit. <laughs> it's super creepy. I got it more yeah, on Bumble than I creepy. did on Tinder, which surprises me. But it's weird that like the people on Bumble apparently were just like, screw this process. I'm going to message her. I'm going to find this bitch. Uh, and what person thinks that that's going to get them a date? I know. I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, I just like block them as soon as I see it. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. That's going to get you a restraining order. Right. You know, it's really weird. A lot of Bumble profiles, like I'd say like a third of them have like people's Instagrams listed. Yes, they do that on Tinder too. Like they are just, or they have their Snapchat handle. Tinder to me makes a lot more sense because if you both match, either one of you can message each other. Mm -hmm. But like the whole structure on Bumble is women have to message right, you. Right, and I like that. So why are you even on there if you're then gonna throw out your publicly identifying information. Yeah. And then there's a question that when I see that as I go, do they want you to message them on that? Or what is that for? And I actually did some Googling to try and figure out what people think that's for. And a lot of people were like, I put mine up there, but if you message me on it, I'll block you immediately. That's creepy. <laughs> it's just so that you can see more photos and get a sense for who I am. So like stalk me, but don't message me, please. That's so funny. Yeah. On Tinder, there is a way that you can link your Instagram photos, and I don't think that it links like to your profile in a way that you can message them. It doesn't. You just and Bumble has the okay. same thing, but it doesn't. But it's not all of them. It's not your full Instagram right. feed. Yeah. Like you get like it, it links in like ten photos yeah. or something, and it's like the ten most recent or something like that. So the people were saying that it's a more complete picture of who they are to go look around their Instagram feed. Was so some people were saying, but a lot of them, another smaller percent, like five percent of profiles have on there. Here's my Instagram. Message me there. I don't check Bumble. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I 100% never respond to any people that have that. I'm just like, no. Yes. <laughs> Same. It's like, all right. Not if you have your Instagram on there, but if it says like, well, I still do what I would do if they weren't, if they didn't say that. So like, if I would have potentially been interested, I say yes. And if not, no. But either way, I'm not, I don't like save that info and then right. message them. I'm just like, look, I mean, they're going to interact with you the way the app was designed to interact or I'm going to find you on a different app. But like, this is entirely contrary to the whole point of this process. So, Michael, what would you say that the top three things are that you look for when you are looking at profiles on dating apps? Man, this is a hard call out. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even have three. I literally only swipe based on if I think the person is visually attractive. I, I am shallow like that, too. I totally do that. And then afterward, I read their bio. Well, a couple of things. It's got 240 characters. So I know nothing about you, no matter what you actually put in that space. Right. Now, there are things that are like hard no. Like if you're like the first relationship in my life is Jesus, I'm out. <laughs> Super heavy <laughs> God folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But so there are some things like that, but with only 240 characters and I mean, you can answer questions to double your character. It's still not enough to know anything. The person's always worth a conversation if they're willing to message you and talk to you, you know, and especially given the situation that I'm in, which is that even with that system where it's like 100% of people that I find attractive, I swipe right on. Over like two months, I got into three conversations and one of them, the person just disappeared after like the second day we were talking. Not like negatively, like everything seemed like they were going really great and they just stopped answering or checking mm. for some reason. They died. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or so I always just I just assume people die. <laughs> They're dead. And I gotta say, so far, everyone that has messaged me has been at least semi-interesting because they've seen my profile and gone, is this really worth it? Is this safe? <laughs> Do I want to interact with this person right. before they message me? Because what happens is right is even if we both match, I can't even message you. And I've had a couple people match and then immediately like delete me or not respond to me. I get that. I totally don't get that. I get that because they're doing the same thing. They're just yep, going, yep, yes, yep, no, yep. yes, no, yes, no, yes, 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 no, 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 yes, no. Oh. And then they go and they read the match and they go, oh, oh never mind. 
respond. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, okay. okay. And when anybody messages me, the first thing I ask them is, you did read my profile, correct? Because, I mean, I don't know if it's this way for for men, but I get a lot of men that just do that, that poop, 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 left, right, left, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we've matched and they're like, hey, baby, you know, and I'm like, whoa, stop. Go read my profile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When I always, always then go back and read the profile in incredible detail, if there's anything to read and any click-throughs to use before I message a response message to the message mm-hmm. that I get. So I'm always very thoughtful when I finally respond to people. But I mean, there's a couple of things. Part of it's the finances. Like if I had the money to pay for the Bumble subscription, I might go slower because then I would see all the people in my, they have a thing called a beeline, which is people that are interested in you, that they've matched you, but you haven't matched them yet. So if I had that, I would probably not even bother swiping. I would just get on and look at the people who are interested in me and see if they were attractive to me and if they were after reading their profile, I'd swipe and give them the chance to message me. But that's a paid option? That's a paid option. And my profile settings, let me see, everybody within 50 miles of me, which is my absolute hard max to have a real relationship with someone is 50 miles. That's very far. And then everybody who is within like a reasonable age range of me. And then if you swipe literally everyone inside of that space, then anybody who is on Bumble that matches with you, you will know, right? And so you don't miss people that match with you. But the only way to do that is to swipe literally everybody to get right. to say well there's nobody left you haven't swiped this week yeah. and to do that you can't realistically read all the profiles so basically it's sort of a way of gaming the, the paid part of the system for me is it's just like okay well this will get me to the people that I might be interested in the way that the line would normally do if you actually paid for the system uh, so it's a little bit more work so you just swipe right on everybody no 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 not absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> Okay, so first of all, I told you one of my favorite things about the system is I don't have to feel guilty for saying that people that were not compatible because I know that without like a two page letter explaining a lack of compatibility, people here not compatible as a rejection of their fundamental Mm -hmm. humanity and not as a not matching thing. Like I have no problem with the fact that you've decided that your value judgment says smoking is okay for you, but I'm never going to date you if you're a smoker. So it's not that you're a bad person. It's just an incompatibility. Yeah. They say, hey, and you say no, it's hard on their feelings. It's still rejection. And so I always felt really bad on OkCupid because like once a month I get a message from someone that I definitely did not want to date and have to be like, all right, what is the best option? Is just blocking them nicer or is writing them back and trying to explain how we're incompatible without being mean nicer? It's like a 50-50 thing. And regardless, it's just sort of painful and it depends on who they are. Like, And then it's also uh, like it's emotional labor and work. And in this system, that just doesn't happen because you've only matched people that you'd at least talk Mm -hmm. to. Like you're like, all right, well, I will at least talk to you. So no, I absolutely don't just do all the swipe right. And then also their algorithm is actually set up that if you don't make thoughtful choices about who you're swiping on, it will continue to lower the priority which other people see you. So if you do what they call power swiping, which is swiping right on everybody, you keep getting demoted so that you're like at the back of the line for other people to look through. Because the program knows you're not paying attention. Like you're not making choices. You're not really being kind and thoughtful and serious about who you're interested right. in. Right, you're not using the app to what it's supposed to do. And Yeah, so what would be the point of showing you to everybody first? Because they're going to swipe, you're going to get a match, but then they're going right. to get disappointed and they're not going to enjoy using the app interface. So you don't want to do it because it's just not going to get the, the outcome that you want. Sarah, what about you? What dating apps do you use and what are your three things that you look for? So the only one I have used is Tinder. I did get on Bumble for a minute, but again, everybody kept on Googling me and it was really pissing me off. That is creepy as shit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I don't know why it was the Bumble people that did it and not the Tinder people. I don't know why that is the case, but yeah, I just use Tinder. I actually hate it because I meet a lot of trash people on Tinder. So what I look for is if I, if I think they're hot enough that I will enjoy sitting on their face or something that degree. Fair. (laughs) 
Yeah. Andy's face right now is pure gold. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's a fair point. Like, if I'm, if I'm looking down and there's, like, it's not what I want to see, like, that's a problem for me. So do you just, like, look at the picture from, like, by bridging the nose up or like <laughs> is that like no are you attracted from the bridge of the nose to the hairline i think that's just her euphemism for wood sleep with yeah 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 it's my fun i'm way. pretty sure she said that before and it always just means wood sleep with is the the connotation i always end up getting from that note from her yes yeah, so um so that's point a um because like fucking is very important to me um and then i i look at some of their interests um a little bit i don't take them too seriously because i have a spectrum of things that I do and don't like and I don't necessarily care what the other person is into as long as it's like not the hunting and the big massive trucks pretty much so that's kind of all I really do and then after that I figure that once I match with them that's kind of the I'm interested in talking to them and then once I get to know them like any it doesn't necessarily matter what's on their profile it'll just be conversation after that and that once I get to talking to them that's when I can determine compatibility yeah but it's like you can't do that with based on just the profile itself there's a, there's a thought I'm going with this nobody's really challenged me to answer this question before, so I haven't really thought about it that much. That's probably the only thing I think about, really, is if they're hot or not. The other thing else is if you'll sit on their face. Yeah, if I am comfortable <laughs> with sitting on their face, then right. I will start talking to them. And then if once I get to talking to them, I determine the compatibility after that. So that's like my only thing that I work on. Just that one thing. Are you hot? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for being candid. Are you, are you that kind of hot? Yeah, that's my parameters. And you say, I think it's interesting. You're like, well, I have to have a smile or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have a good, what is it? Smolder, they call it. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah totally went in when I was like, they had to like, sort of look off to the side and be serious like, yeah <laughs> like Sarah, Sarah was in on that isn't almost that, immediately isn't that obvious <laughs> <laughs> it was for me anyway I mean that can be attractive for sure but I want to know that the person can laugh and is fun and enjoys life and I think that I look more for a companion than okay. a fuckboy <laughs> ah. <laughs> so I yeah. just that's I, I do read profiles if the pictures that I want to see are there and I will read their profile and you know I make sure they're on mm -hmm. that great level of nerdy that I like and mm. that uh, important. I don't know I guess I just look for different things and that's how statistics work right they're not any individual person they're no. like the average mm -hmm. person and that's the thing that was one of the things that I was discussing with this new person that I'm dating is that we were talking about their experience that people were like you know you're so great you're so smart how come you you know you don't have a boyfriend and I was like you know the thing about a bell curve is <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you're the smartest person on it then like less than four percent of the population is close enough to your intellectual capacity to be sort of challenging and good partnership for you that in fact we are taught by movies that the more quote po like objectively qual positive qualities which of course there are no such thing but like normatively positive qualities you possess the more dateable you are but in fact as we've discussed on this show it's, it's parity with a hard t <laughs> that makes good relationships so actually possessing an incredibly large number of those characteristics makes you very difficult to date for most people right and so the 
important part is not at all getting the most number of matches. So if you've listened to what we said and you go, oh, that gets me the most matches, you may have missed the point. Yeah. Because the most matches isn't necessarily superior. What you want is you want to get the right match. And so if you have the kind of personality that isn't in the normative middle of the bell curve, then doing normative middle of the bell curve appearance dance to get the maximum number of those people to message you is just going to give you a lot of people that you don't get along well with that you end up not enjoying being around. Yeah, you're going to go on a lot of shitty first dates. So it's much more important to come up with what matters to you and to sort of find your system. And for me, it's almost always about dialogue. So it's getting to the stage of having that discourse with them that's an actual message. And there's only two different things that happen. I message you a paragraph. You message me back a paragraph. Awesome. (laughs) I message you a paragraph. You go, cool. (laughs) I try again. You go, yeah, that's interesting. Uh I try again. You're like, wow. And then I stop messaging you and see if you message me back because it's just exhausting to write you paragraph after paragraph of thoughtful content to not get any interaction from you. Yeah, and you gave him an extra paragraph than I give him. (laughs) Yeah, because it's two (laughs) paragraphs, and if I don't get but like one word answers, that's it. I was thinking the same thing, Mandy. It's like you do it three times. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the scarcity part. That's the part about being a guy on these same services, right? Because the scarcity is just so incredibly different. Yep. If in those first two paragraphs that they respond back, if they mention anything about fucking me in those first two paragraphs, that's it too. Mm, Like I don't. That makes sense. Yeah. You ain't into a fuck boy. I've never had that happen. No, you've never had that happen, Michael. I don't know what I would do if that happened. I haven't made up my mind. I would like to think that I would be gone, but I don't know that that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Let me try one more time. Is this salvageable? I don't... Yeah. Oh, or they start calling me pet names in the first couple messages. Mm. Oh. Hey, baby. It's like, I'm not. What? I'm like, I'm sorry. Who are you calling baby? Yeah. You don't even know me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to get him at yeah. least the fifth paragraph before they start calling you baby. Right? <laughs> <laughs> This is an interesting discussion because as similar as this is for us, it's also two totally different worlds. Yes. I'm like, all right, so guys, swipe everyone because it's the only way you're going to find out if you have any matches. And Mandy's like, I mean, I just read them for as long as I want because almost certainly if I swipe on them, they're going to ding out and I get the chance to talk to them. So I don't want to waste time. No, it's not like that. (laughs) (laughs) But I I am much more picky. I am much more picky. Whereas Jerry says that he just... He just swipes <laughs> like there's yeah. no tomorrow. And every once in a while, he'll get a match. I think it's true of most guys, just like in general, I've heard. Unless you're like really smoking hot, you don't get anything. Yeah. Something about throwing a net out and not fishing with a pole or something like that, he says. <laughs> I definitely always completely read the profile back when I did OkCupid dating. I mean, well, until I was uninterested. Mm-hmm. Like I would yeah. start with the photos and move to reading the profile. And then at any point I became uninterested, I'd move on. And if not, then I'd save it in my likes file. And then I would eventually write like a thoughtful note to them and see what happened. But like that stuff is so busy that I know people on OkCupid, and now they've changed it. Now you have to match on OkCupid. So I think it's a lot better. And I would love to have like a listener or someone that's on OkCupid right now as a, as a woman tell me what how it feels now. But I know people that were getting so many messages that in order to be able to get messages, they would like read the top 10 in a day and then just delete their inbox. Yeah. Because otherwise it was just full Hmm. it was ridiculous (laughs) when i was on it it was fucking ridiculous (laughs) and so what i figure is that like that means that 90 percent of the letters that you write if you write a good thoughtful letter get deleted in the overflow that people can't even get to because they're just swarmed and swamped and when it starts feeling like a copy and paste Uh, like guys have a copy and paste that they put 
you know, when they message you and it's it's fairly vague and standard and insert Mandy here. Yeah. You know? So I was having a discussion <laughs> with one of my friends today about why I got off of OkCupid and on to Bumble. And I said part of it was I was spending so much time writing individual crafted responses to people's specific profiles about the things that they were interested in and how I thought I connected with them. And it was a huge amount of emotional labor and investment to do that work. And it's just a huge amount of time investment. Like, even if you weren't yeah, into yeah. it emotionally, a massive time investment. And you'd write, like, 100 letters and get no responses, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, you know, maybe it would be different if I could write sort of a form letter and just sort of insert their stuff. And he's like, well, why can't you do that? And I was like, I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because the letter is that pragmatic lie. Like, even if I did that successfully yeah. so that it looked like it was custom to you, it wouldn't be. My point was I was interested in that your responses were that it was gross. Yeah. So there's, there's a sense that you agree that that's not a good thing. It's not. It's not at all. Well, just it shows it shows zero effort. And we all know how I am about effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it shows zero effort. And if you can't even show enough fucking effort to write a paragraph like specifically to me, then I am not interested. But that's the problem, though, is it's not it's not yeah. what happened. Like I had to write 2000 paragraphs specifically to people to get that one paragraph in front of you. Yeah. And so like that's the problem with that system is the, the effort needed to have the minimum effort for the person that you're actually talking to is so titanic that it's impossible. So like any system that just lets you send open messages to women is not usable, I think, which is why most of these user systems are now going to the you both have to match first yeah. before you can send them a message. But what's weird is you do have to match before you can message repeatedly. But no, I've seen the new system and still you have to like someone. And then once you like them, you can send them a message. And if you do, your message will show up hidden in the inline text of your profile if they happen to read your profile while they're scrolling through matches. So you still have to, as a guy, if you want the maximum chance to get someone's attention, basically write every single person you're interested Ugh. a thoughtful handcrafted letter. Yeah. Or they look at it and go, not minimum effort kind of response, right? Like, well, why would, you know, they don't even know that you like them, etc. Yeah. And so it's like, it's just exhausting and in most cases pointless. Yeah, I mean, I want to know that we both want to talk before we put effort into it. Like, that's why I like the the swipe, the double swipe system that I haven't used Tinder, but the Tinder and Bumble use because I know at least there's some minimal interest on both sides by the time I'm writing you, I'm at least through the first process of do I look interesting yeah. to you. And of course, physicality is so incredibly specific. What's yes. attractive to individuals is so yes. different Absolutely. from different individuals. So no one's attractive to everybody. So writing messages to people that you find cute without any system to find out if they find you're cute is not... Completely ineffective. It's not a good system. It's like shotgunning into yeah. outer space. It's just not hitting anything. So I think any system like that is very difficult. However, the people that I know who are female identifying have found great luck on OkCupid because they're getting shotgun by so many guys they can go through this pile and find someone mm -hmm. they like mm -hmm. you know they have a lot of interest that comes in immediately without necessarily having to look as far so it's really funny because in different poli sites on people are always asking what website you know what website do you use what do you get off of it what works for you right but like i said i i had more interaction and more luck in like a month on bumble than i had in a decade on okcupid as a as a huh. polyamorous guy but I do also happen to be extremely highly educated feminist LGBTQ relationship theorist. Fairly attractive. But, you know, thank you. That's really <laughs> nice of you to say. But on a feminist website, basically, right? Because right. Bumble is feminist in structure because it, like people who embrace feminism are on there. So that's right. also a really helpful place to come, I think, to come from. So I don't know. Results may vary. But I think it's really, like, I am really excited because I had found internet dating basically entirely pointless. You know, just given up on it entirely and now I'm... Right. Dating someone and I'm very excited. No, I can't mm -hmm. tell. <laughs>
I historically had used FetLife to to meet people. Uh, and I and I know it's not a dating website. Like I haven't done it in years, but previously back in the day, you sh- you could search mm-hmm. by city, then all the different profiles would come up, and I would click on the people that I that said they were polyamorous. That was how I met Jerry. <laughs> That's really awesome. Good guy. Yeah. A lot of things that are very different on gender identity lines still there because I don't know any guys that have a success story of doing that. That if you get on FetLife as a guy and just start messaging random women. Right. It would be creepy. You are very unlikely for it to be positive. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much always just like, whoa, creepazoid. Yeah. Uh, At best, you get a random response back from their friend who's like, they're under my protection. Don't go near them. Huh. Yeah. Is like pretty much my experience with messaging people on FetLife as a guy. But of course, the opposite is not true. If If you are a polyamorous kink friendly female identifying person who is listening to our podcast you are definitely going to get a lot of positive feedback if you go get a FetLife account look for people that are into the kind of things that you're into and then message them Mm -hmm. and I think that's also true I definitely like bold people that are willing to be vulnerable and I think that having to write people on Bumble for women is an interesting change of pace because I've had a couple of different female identified friends by watching them interact in the dating scene it was really fascinating to me to see like one of them asked a guy out for the first time ever and that guy was like oh I'm sorry I'm engaged and then they came back and was like that was crushing that was the hardest thing I've ever done I will never ask somebody out again and so that's literally every time any guy ever asks you out ever That's what I was thinking. Right. So like if you think that that's impossibly awful, then why are you asking everyone else to do that? To you. Right. For you and not sharing in that labor if you think that's as bad as it is. And I mean, part of that is that you just don't have any practice. Because for sure the first time I ever asked somebody out and they said no, I was crushed. (laughs) Rejection's rejection. Eric's. Like the 20th time. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's how dating works. You ask people out and sometimes they're like, nah. Now once you land the date, how do you navigate it? I put rules and guidelines in place for myself, not necessarily for the person I'm dating or for... Okay, that's what you mean by how do you handle it. Okay. Yeah. Checkpoints for myself to kind of keep NRE in check. (laughs) and to make sure because I have a tendency if you know me at all you know that Mandy is either like 0% or 110% in so I have to keep those checkpoints for myself to not smother people (laughs) to not just run and jump and sit on their face (laughs) so (laughs) I, I have to keep those checkpoints in place Mandy goes hard what are your checkpoints and your guidelines for yourselves so I don't think I have any explicit checkpoints or guidelines but I try and I slow myself down a lot because NRE is going to make me feel like if there was a scale of one to 10 emotional attachment to a person, NRE makes me feel like I'm at 10, like right off the bat. Yeah. Like as soon as they're exciting. Right. You know, not before we're actually exciting, but as soon as they're exciting, like they show interest in me, I have interest in them. I'm clear that I think they're cute. They think I'm cute. Like I'm just a 10 now. Yeah. I'm just set to 10. I turn into like animal the Muppet. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very excited. Yes. Telling everyone you know, did you know I have a date? I have a oh date. God. Did you know I have a date? <laughs> my new partner this, my new partner that. And they're not your partner. But you're... you're... <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh Absolutely. God. I feel you. So... <clears throat> What I have experienced is that then what happens is 
I don't know if these are linked or not. I'm not sure if this even affects NRE, but I, I was reading some articles recently about how your disgust response is depressed when you are heavily aroused and during sexual activity. What? I don't understand. Say it again. Your disgust response gets suppressed during sexual activity. Makes sense. You can't be disgusted? That's why some people are like bumping uglies. They call sex bumping uglies because like they're into it when they're in the moment, but otherwise it's just like, okay, pussies look, looks gross. I've heard people say that before. You are less able to be disgusted. It's not okay. impossible, but it's significant depresses the disgust response. Okay. All right. That's all I know. If you ever had the following experience, I'm not sure about this person, but maybe, okay, the sex is really fun, climax, and now I have a horrible hole in the pit of my stomach and I'm like, what did I do? Why did I do that? That's because your disgust response snaps back to full bore right after climax. Hmm. There's a chemical cocktail that disconnects the suppression right afterwards. I have never done that. <laughs> Mandy is <laughs> <laughs> nodding aggressively to indicate that she has in fact had that experience <laughs> yeah a shit pot of times <laughs> i've also had that experience around like when i'm trying to push my boundaries like in a kink space mm -hmm. i'll try something like particularly bad and i'll be really into it and then like i'll climax and be like oh my god i'm grossed out by myself like i <laughs> do not like that play <laughs> i do not want to do that ever again i was super into it but now i'm kind of sick to my stomach well, did that um, once i can check it <laughs> off we're good <laughs> And I actually have that sometimes even at low levels for things that like maybe like a partner likes that are always like really hot when we do them every time. And it's always going to be hot. But afterwards, I'm always going to feel a little guilty. Mm. Like I'm always going to feel a little bit like I'm kind of a bad person maybe for the things that I said. But, you know, and it's just a it's sort of a moment there where that's going to happen because of that snapback. Right. But it appears to, in my experience, also temporarily relieve NRE. So like if you're in NRE, like the moment right after climax, the first hour after I have found is like not being in NRE. And then you have to confront sort of the space that you found yourself in sans free emotional bump. So if you're okay the hour after climax, then it's... No, no, I, I, that's just me. I'm that, that I don't have stats for. I'm saying in my experience, there's a space where right after you have sex, I don't feel the NRE. I just can evaluate the space as maybe okay. as I would if I didn't have NRE. I don't know because I'm still technically an NRE. You like roll into some like analysis space. Yeah. <laughs> and then if... I'm not at the level of emotional connectivity that makes sex comfortable for me because I require a high level of emotional connectivity to be interested in sex. Mm -hmm. Then I feel terrible yeah. okay. about where I am and what I'm doing. I think that can even happen with people that I actually would have liked if I'd waited. And like, I definitely have had that with partners that I ended up staying with that I eventually built up enough emotional connection that then that didn't happen afterwards. But it was very disconcerting and very unpleasant. How do you stop that then? So my strategy is to try and do all the things that would normally build that emotional bond and do my best to hold off on having sex until I think that that level of bond is there. And I don't have any way to gauge that. It's just sort of like, well, normally this amount of time with someone <laughs> would cause okay. bonding. It's a definitely just sort of a best guess play by ear. And it's very different depending on how much time you spent with the person. This partner, and I'm so excited by this, is an extrovert. Oh my god. So excited. You never date extroverts. I don't. Well, there aren't any. They're so rare. <laughs> it's not that I wouldn't date an extrovert. I just never find an Particularly extrovert. Particularly one who is, you know, connects with you and, you know, has intellectual whatever and is cute. And also into me. and Yeah, and also into you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of boxes. But I've been looking for an extroverted anybody, like friend, partner, literally don't care. 
to, to have in my life because I just have so many introverts. I had literally enough space for one more human being to connect with, and then I'm out of human <laughs> being space. And if it wasn't an extrovert, I just wasn't going to have enough socialization in my day to meet my extroverted needs. Right. And I was always going to be just a little bit depressed about it. Mm. So like I would, I would function and I would continue, but I would always be like a little bit tired because of it. The same way that if you're an introvert, that's like over socialized, mm-hmm. you're always a little tired. Like if your job makes you socialize more than you're comfortable with something like that, right. then you can relate to this feeling, but it's in reverse. Like, so instead of always going, I wish I could go home and be alone. I'm like, I wish I could just find a little bit more people time. Since we started dating, we've been texting more or less on and off all day, every day calling like once or twice a day we went on three dates in the first week (laughs) so so i think that the bonding level there is a lot faster than people that i've dated before like i dated someone before who was an introvert who was also heavily booked already like a poly partner that had one or two other partners when we started dating and so i got like one day a week with them and sort of minimal message response not minimal but like bad but like normal introvert level messaging responses and so that was like months before i felt like i probably would be at the place sort of emotionally that i'd built up enough shared experience and discourse and bonding to feel really comfortable if we'd ended up sleeping together You've had three dates in one week. Does she live next door? No, she lives like 40 miles away. Holy shit. Not quite that far, like, but yeah, something like that. That's like on par for me, Mandy. Do you not have like three dates in one week when you meet someone? I have never had that before. That's very new to me. I'm with Mandy. Oh my gosh. I try and like get with that person so freakingly. I'm like, fuck, I want to see you again. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have time for that. (laughs) I was going to say, how do you have time for that? Interesting. I maybe have two nights a week available to go out, you know, or do something with someone outside of my home. Interesting. And that's pushing it. Some weeks I don't have any. Yeah. When I when I look for someone to date or a new partner, they can't be needy. Yeah. <laughs> if you need more than one night a week with me on a weekly basis, then I'm not your gal. Yeah. So, right. So I think that this is going a lot faster in the bonding space than a lot of things. So what I'm trying to do for this is we talked on and off for about a week before we met up. Although I think it was like three days and we decided to to meet up, but then another four days before we met up the first time. Then we had another date and another date. And then we were talking about like when we wanted to, you know, maybe do more. Or I was trying to think about like, when do I want to do more? When would I be comfortable doing more? And, you know, at this age, like not a lot of people who are like 35 plus have a lot of barrier to entry to having sex with someone they like because it's not like it's it's not taboo at this point for us we've all been with a decent number of people we're all fairly educated about stis and yeah so like it's not like it's a big deal i think it's a bigger deal to me than it is to most people i don't think everyone but like i said i've been sort of functionally identifying as demisexual for a while now back and forth and i think that's sort of fair like i basically cannot be interested in somebody that i'm not emotionally i'm not emotionally invested in right either for real or for fake and that's probably why i hate nre more than most people because a lot of people who i know who are poly they like the invested stuff but they also really enjoy like the just for fun stuff and so it's not like for them if they have sex with someone they think might be invested might be just for fun and then right after it turns out it was just for fun that doesn't create a pit in their stomach they don't sort of fall off the wagon and go oh god what happened what did i do but for me i'm left going like i now have no idea why i just did that right (laughs) And so it's a very different kind of space to be in. And so you got to think about what you need when you're coming up with those boundaries. But so that's what I need is I look for a certain amount of bonding time and information and bonding level. Sarah, what about you? 
you have do you have any guidelines or rules for yourself while you're dating? Um, I have to do some checks. I was thinking about how you and Michael both said that you were just like I run a credit report. <laughs> I, oh my god, maybe that's kind of the way. <laughs> um, New plan: credit checks. <laughs> No, oh my God, no. Um, so you two have both said that you're kind of like, you're either not there or you're there. And I'm like, definitely, I, I work into it. I'm not so super reserved about my body in that I, I mean, I've had sex on the first date and been totally fine with it. But I try not to have sex with someone unless I... I'm comfortable sometimes with casual sex, but I don't get in invested in them. I'm definitely not an I'm crazy about you or I'm not crazy about you. It's like an, okay, well, this is mediocre for a while and then I'm crazy about you or whatever as far as that is concerned. So I do a number of checks when I'm on like a first date, like, okay, would I be happy with this person in six months if this continues like this? Well, I, which is kind of a, a big stretch, but like in the morning, would I be satisfied if I were to sleep with this person right now? Do I have enough information where I can do that? Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. I don't really have a whole lot of structure to, to my, the way I date people. See, I have like hard, fast rules for myself. And interesting. What and to be they? honest, they don't always get followed, but I do try to stick to them because I'm a little all over the place. <laughs> I want to hear Mandy's rules. Yeah, I'm I excited. Mandy's rules. Yeah, I don't. I don't have sex until the third date. Okay, that's. A, I've heard that rule before. That's like a really yeah. standard rule I've heard. Yeah, I, I used to do that, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I want to sleep with you." Go it on. doesn't always happen. I've definitely had sex on the second date before. But it's so funny because it's my rule, but I still try and figure out ways to get around it. Like I'm having <laughs> to to answer to myself some weird way. Like I'll be like, oh, oh yeah. it's past midnight. It's the third date now. You know, like it's... <laughs> So I do, like, I, I'm, I'm re I really do try to wait until the third date, but I get caught up. I get caught up in the moment. I do. And sometimes things happen. Nobody spends the night with me for more than two nights in a row. Really? What's, what's the story behind that rule? How would you even have them spend the night more than two nights in a row? Like Mandy lives with her kids and a partner and has an actual life and has to get to work. How would, how would you do that? Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I didn't really think of it like that. I don't have that perspective. I've had people like try and I'm like, nope, unless you're going to start paying bills, buddy, you take your toothbrush and go home. You don't meet my kids for like three months. I don't let anyone ever meet my, my kid. So I have teenagers though, and they don't know mom is anything but Polly. And they, you know, they're, it, we're, it's just really, I don't know. I'm much more lax about that, but okay. I do wait until about three months. I think young kids is a different yeah. thing though. So I think Manny's right she about should. that. Like okay. adult kids, uh, you know, teen kids that understand how yeah. Polly works, understand that this person isn't trying to be their next dad necessarily. Like, okay. Okay, go and on. my kids have kind of always understood that. So. Well, but I think young kids think, you know, the new kid person is permanent. Like young, young yeah. kids just don't deal with change well, period. Regardless of what they know intellectually, change okay. is really hard right. for young children. That makes sense. I didn't think about it like But that. yeah, they don't, I don't introduce my kids until after about three months is usually, because I just have to know that you're kind of vested in, you do want to continue this and it's, it does have a future and to bring other people into it. I usually wait to introduce other partners till that point too. Hmm. They know about them and they hear stories about them, but I've had long-term partners 
that my other partners have gotten attached to. And then they are hurt in the process too, when they're, you know, when the partner leaves. And so like Jerry, especially, he doesn't like to get attached to people. So he doesn't want to meet them unless they're going to stick around. Right. And that's like my parents, my understanding of what my mom has said to me, like the impression of what she said to me is that she doesn't want to meet people that she doesn't, that I don't think will be around for the long haul because she doesn't want to have to go through the pain of losing. Right. I mean, that makes sense because other people in your life bond at such a low risk level. Like, it's really easy to bond to someone that you're not sleeping with because there's no, like, you don't have to choose to continue Mm -hmm. sleeping with them to maintain that bond. (laughs) Yeah. And those people always have you in common, which is the other thing. They always have something free in common. So even if, like, they don't share any other interests, they have, like, a person they like that they can talk about. Like, there's always something that they have. So it's very easy for that to happen. And Jerry feels compersion very well. You know, if he sees that they make me happy, then he likes them. You know, like, he, it's... So he gets attached. And because of NRE, they always do. So (laughs) at at first, they're always great. Yeah. So we we wait till about three months. And that's only if everybody wants to meet. I have a little bit of a different thing there because there's much more of a concern. Again, I think that male identifying poly folks are predatory. Mm -hmm. So whenever I start dating someone, I always talk to all my other partners and figure out what sort of their level of willingness is with this. But I basically try and make it possible that they would talk to or meet to talk to people I would be dating at least to say... Like, maybe not to be friends or to see again, but at least to say, like... Everybody's on the up and up. Yes, we're poly. Yes, I know. Yes, I'm participating. No, I'm not in danger. No, don't call. 100% consent about this, yeah. (laughs) Protective services, 100% consent, yeah. And so I think that's something that is less of a concern the other way, but it's still, like, for me, it would be concerning. I have never dated someone and not met their partner for that long. Again, for, like, Mm -hmm. that context. Like, I wouldn't necessarily need to be friends with them, but I would want to, like, meet them because I do know about the scenarios where people are saying they're poly and, in fact, they're just cheating. They're just cheating, yeah. And they're, well, we we are poly, but they don't want to meet people until it's been a while. And... And then it never ends up being a long enough while or, you know, whatever. And then the only other one that I can think of is just kind of a guideline for me. It's not necessarily a rule, but it's if I start getting the feels, I ask them if it's okay if I fall in love with them. (laughs) Because some people don't want that. Some people don't. But but I am fallen lovable. Like, that's what I do as I fall in love with people and I get hurt. So... (laughs) So I've just kind of worked that into conversation. When I start getting the feels, I say, okay, so this is what I'm doing here. And tell me if this is okay with you. If this is like, if this is not something that is ever going to be reciprocated, like just let me know up front. I can do things on my side to check those feelings and pull back a little bit. It's just, it's kind of a, a protection that I've built in for myself. I could totally see that working for you, too. My mom used to say that I fall, and I never understood this, but she used to say that I fall ass over tin cup in love. What? What is it, ass ass over over tin cup? What? It sounds like just another way to say head over heels, but I'm very interested. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. About. I've never known what it meant. I've never, to be honest, I've never even Googled it. So maybe I'll do that. But I, I, oh, oh, I, like, I think Michael's on it. It is straight up a thing people say. What? Ass over tin cup. It is. Also, the English version is tail over tea kettle. It's never been that proper. Tail over tea kettle. Ass over tin cups or tea cups or tea kettle or tail over tea kettle is the same as head over heels. She's so beautiful. She'll knock you ass over tin cups. 
Mm-hmm. Variant from early so 20th funny. century British. Arse over tip. Arse over tip. Arse over tip. Arse over tip. Over that heels. sounds like so fucking hot. Like, honestly, like arse and tip. I'm okay with those. <laughs> I think the tip was heels yeah. there, though. I think that, that's yeah, head over heels, nah, basically. Not in my mind. <laughs> I know, so we know. bending folks over is what she's doing. <laughs> oh, here you go. Here you go. I got one for you. Uh, variant arse over bollocks. There you arse go. Over no, bollocks. no question about that's that. That's like meme. ass over ass. <laughs> no bollocks is balls. Oh, bollocks. Yes. Oh, buttocks okay. Is ass bollocks is balls. Yeah. Ours <laughs> over buttocks is, is ass over ass. Ours over bollocks is yeah. Ass it's just something she used to say that I yeah. I fell ass over tin cup in love. So apparently there's just a lot of different variants of that, and there's still no explanation at all for why over tin cups or teacups. Okay. No clue. But uh, apparently those are all part of the same family of slang mm-hmm. terms. So it's not even yeah. Huh. As distantly related as I would have thought. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is a new thing, and I am really, I'm really excited over uh, tail over tea kettle. That's such a, a great tail way to say something kettle. to say that. Tail over tea kettle. You don't have to practice that. Like I said, it was never know, ever right? that proper. Oh, you appear to be tail over tea kettle for that person. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, I love I it. Need... I bet you can stick that in some poetry, Michael. <laughs> I want a shirt that says I'm tail over tea kettle for you. I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think later we're going to make sure to say that. That's interesting that you have these like very explicit rules. So I just have more of a sense that I'm trying to, I'm trying to push back what NRE and my body is trying to make happen fast enough that it happens at the scale that would happen if NRE didn't exist, basically is my goal. Like that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And if I relied on my just senses to do that, it wouldn't work for me. So I have to have those little checkpoints. And I do have some of those things like the kids one, the I said this before on the show, but the gold standard You use is, a year, don't you? Don't meet the kids for yeah. a year, yeah. followed by introduce as a friend for a year, followed by ask the kids if they'd be okay with this person being like yeah. around or part of your family or more than they are. So I have um, a, a different facet to why I don't introduce my partners to children that both of you have expressed. Aside from wanting my child to not become attached to someone and then have that person leave, I have a, I, I'm, both of you kind of understand my story in which my, my current child has been weaponized against me. And so I have a very, I don't want my child to enter into the picture because I'm afraid it'll muddy the water. And I'll be like, well, what? What do I do with my kid in this situation? Like, are you just trying to manipulate me by using my kid and things like that? So I try to distance introducing my kid to people, even though I know that my partner and the child can pretty much handle it because I want to minimize the risk of something like that happening. I want to have some me and this person time for a long time before I introduce them to my kid. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. I think that's definitely going to be our time. So we managed to cover basically how to find dates if you're looking digitally, you know, the pluses and minuses from our perspective of different services. We also talked about how once you do land the date, how you navigate the NRE at the beginning, and also some checkpoints and some guidelines that we use um, when we do start dating folks as to uh, when we incorporate other people into our relationships. I think that's pretty much what we did. So I, I think, you know, some of the important takeaways are, I think it is good to have a system for how to do that. I don't know how formal it has to be. I definitely think more formal is maybe better because you can more easily check the result against the dating. What parts didn't get exactly right? Have I adjusted any of these numbers? How would it change those parts? Yeah. So like, if you have a rule, like, or I don't like 
will meet my kids for three months and then you have a date and your kids will get hurt a little bit and you go well how many months was it it was 4.5 okay well maybe i'll push that number push out. That out yeah so that's certainly very helpful i think in a way that just like just trying to get far enough out doesn't although you know depending on how much willpower you have that's about as much willpower <laughs> as i have in a lot of cases <laughs> I, I think my sense of what NRE is for is to not allow you to make decisions. It's to obscure and blind your decision-making system so that you will procreate and reproduce the species. Um, yeah. And I'm done even doing in that. So not, I... <laughs> right, even in non-ideal scenarios. Yeah. Uh, so... So these rules are something to do while your blinders are on. You can't look left, you can't look right, so let's have a bunch of systems in place to stop you from tripping and falling. And I think that's a really good idea. So that's it for our partial Valentine's falling in love episode. Valentine-ish. <laughs> Val- yeah, no. Don't just cut that. That was bad. <laughs> Valentine kettles. kettles is where you were going with that? Basically, yeah, Valentine cup? Trying something cute Valentine there. Cup, baby. <laughs> Ass over Valentin cup. There you go. <laughs> Very punny. Or that's more like wordplay, I guess, in both cases. Alright. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the Have thing. a great night, everyone. Jinx. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Alright, I'm stopping.